Everybody, 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 drop your Welcome back to Drop Your Buffs. I'm Sean Ross. I am Evan Ross Katz. And we are talking episode 10 of The Challenge USA. We are in our penultimate week of The Challenge USA, although it's not technically our penultimate episode. I understand there are two episodes airing back to back next week. So we'll have a women's elimination and then TJ's final, the long promised TJ's final. Evan, what did you think of this lead up to our end game here? Well, you and I were texting briefly uh, before we hit record, and I think I get the sense that we both feel similarly, because we had said, well, it's funny, <laughs> you said it's probably <laughs> going to be a short episode, cut to like us going three hours, but For sure. <laughs> I, but but yeah, I think we, I don't, actually, I shouldn't say we, I feel um, it was just super boring. I feel like they've gassed out. I feel like to bring back something that I discussed last week, I feel like the strategy talk all amounts to very little. And I just feel like there was such a great structure to the show at the outset. Do you remember how like in the early episodes we talked about the fact that despite there being so many people, we had a great sense of like who was who and how everything worked and you had the algorithm and you got rid of two people per episode so there was a nice pace to it. And then all of a sudden here we are and it's just like, you have one person going and then it's every other episode is the gender so that some a specific gender plays in the challenge but it's ultimately inconsequential to them if they already have their money i just feel like so much of like the tight conceit that they had from the outset has just been totally lost and the fact that we're doing a women's elimination and the finale in the same week like truncating all of that together just sort of shows the fact that like I feel like we had like a really solid map going forward and then at some point we just were sort of like mm, we don't need the map and it's like no 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 we need the map find the map mm-hmm. so I just thought this was like a disappointing episode for many reasons that we'll get into how did you feel yeah I think to your point about the double eliminations early on and then moving to a single elimination, it feels like the stakes are lower, which is the wrong way to be going for a show entering its finale. Because when you have half of the cast who are just automatically immune from elimination, I mean, that's what was kind of refreshing about Sarah considering going into the men's elimination a couple weeks ago. It's because like, oh, so anything really can happen. And then nothing came of that, unfortunately. But it's like, I'm watching half of the cast do this challenge, and it doesn't matter how they do. Ultimately, they all have enough money to make it to TJ's final. There are really no stakes except that you get a say in who goes into elimination, which like at this point, I don't think it really matters. It doesn't really matter. And also the lack of clarity around how the finale works, I think is a disservice to the show because as they seem to think, and I think this is the case, it will be a partnered finale with uh, people of the opposite gender playing together. Um, But like, shouldn't that be confirmed? Because that would play a big role in the strategy and it would give more stakes around the, when when you have these single gender eliminations each week, it would allow the other gender to feel some type of way about it because these are people they might ultimately have to play with in the finale. But there's that lack of like them not knowing how the finale actually works. And then also too, it's like, I'm just surprised that like at no point did the survivor guys say, hey, this alliance is actually not great for us because we're keeping around a lot of the strongest guys together in an alliance who will ultimately have to then contend, like face off against in the finale. Like Tyson should be a threat. Ben should be a threat. And yet here they are being like, oh no, we'll all band together, survivor strong. And it's like, you guys like that, that's not a great, that's not a great way to play the game. Like you want David in the game. Yeah. 
There's a couple things here. So to your first point, I think I actually feel differently. I kind of like that there's unknowns around the final because what I'm getting from this not being a challenge watcher is that it could go either way, like that sometimes there would be portions of the final where you're playing with a partner and sometimes not. I kind of like that. I I sort of equate it to the days when there was a question around whether there would be a final two or a final three tribal council scenario in Survivor, which I mean, wasn't talked about a whole lot because uh, it was done very rarely that they would revert back to a final two. But I kind of like that unknown aspect of it because it kind of keeps you on your feet and you're trying to play with different scenarios in mind, which uh, actually would lead to opposite sort of approaches to the game itself. And so I don't mind that so much. And I don't mind that there's, t- I mean, the fact that it's in the show tells me there is going to be a partnered aspect to the final. Um, and so I'm curious about that now that that has piqued my curiosity about the final and who's going to be paired with who and how those pairings are going to be determined. Are we bringing back the algorithm or are we letting people pair up with each other based on who they want to play with? Um, so that is, I find interesting. The other thing, your other point about the survivor men and that they're kind of keeping the threats around. I think this was like skirted around in the episode because the impression I got was that Ben didn't want to put Enzo into the arena with David because he doesn't see Enzo as a threat. And he did like make a comment about this that Tyson or Dom, I mean, I don't know how good Dom's going to do in the final, but... Yeah that he wanted to put Tyson into the arena. And there was some comment about how, you know, at the end of the day, it's like, this alliance really doesn't serve me anymore because I'm safe this week. There's not going to be another men's elimination. And so why do I have to have any loyalty to this alliance at all? And do I want to go up against Tyson in the end? So like that wasn't really explored in any way, but there was a sort of throwaway mention to that. And I think Ben's exactly right. And I think that illuminates why he was sort of immovable on that first day of strategy uh, on putting Enzo into the arena, but they didn't really dive deep into that. And I wish that they had. Right. And speaking to something we've been talking about uh, in the past is that confusion around, well, what happens if two people that win the challenge disagree about Mm -hmm. who should go into the arena? It was very odd that we were left with this sort of like, you know, Ben at first was putting his foot down and it's like, well, what would have happened if Ben kept his foot down? You know, mm-hmm. like we had that next day when it's like, oh, I slept on it and I'll acquiesce. But it's like, okay, but like you don't have to, right? Like we keep seeing this thing where it's like in last week with Desi, where it's like, oh, I am not feeling some type of way about it. Sleep on it. Mm, okay, fine. Okay. But like, wouldn't it be fun to find out what happens if that's not the case? Totally. I feel like we really, we could have really used that this season. A hundred percent. Totally agree. Okay, let's get into the recap itself because I think that it becomes immediately clear. The editing in this episode is so strange. It became immediately clear from the previously on that there was trouble for David and Enzo. Yeah. They're doing the previously on the challenge, and they're ta- like they're talking about how oh they're the they're the, like the rem- remaining big brother guys. There's this whole other alliance. It's a good thing we've got each other. Like, nothing could go wrong. And so it was very friends. clear what was going to happen. And and to that point, like later in the episode, we get for the first time kind of a format break where they they reveal there are no surprises here because they actually tell Enzo that he's going to be the one going into the arena. They tell David he's that Enzo's gonna go up against him. They all have this kind of open discussion about what's going to happen. And so it takes away the suspense of the decision where in previous episodes they had hidden the decision-making process and actually shown some of that in flashbacks while we're at the arena. Um, So totally different approach here. And I like a format change in that way in a lot of cases. But here I was like, I don't care. Like these, these people aren't big enough they don't loom large enough in this season for me to really care if this was like a showdown between like ben and sarah i want to see that play out yeah ben yeah and no this, Enzo, this reminds i don't me, care not at all this reminds me um of our conversation about snake in the grass on our patreon which by the way if mm-hmm. you're not signed up for our patreon you surely ought to but on the episode of snake in the grass they changed the format in the most recent episode that we recapped and revealed who the snake was halfway through the episode and 
I think it was the biggest scoop for both you and I of all three episodes that we've watched, and it was hugely rewarding to shift the format. So yeah, I, I completely agree. I feel like, especially this late into the game, and being that they eliminated the algorithm halfway through, they're clearly willing to make changes, you know, midway through the game. I thought it could have really used that. Also, not for nothing, I was thinking throughout this episode, this is sort of a bit of a case of something that happens on some seasons of Survivor, which is that, like, you start to lose so many of your great players, like your great narrative players, that you get this final batch of players who might be strong competitors, like an Angela, for instance, but are not necessarily making for the best storytelling. Um, I found myself really missing a lot of the players from the past this week and thinking that like this just isn't a particularly strong group of dynamic reality television players. I mean, like Dom, for instance, it's like, what are we doing here? And Enzo, as hard as he tries to like really like give it to you i'm and i mean david talk about bad television um but this is not a strong group to bring into the finale even kayla who i was really really loving early in the season i feel like kayla as underdog was so like fun she was so fun to root for but like kayla as like in the bathroom with sarah and justine like cheering about like their I don't even know what they're really cheering for. <laughs> that to me, I was like, I sort of soured on Kayla even. Yeah, I hear you because I think we lost one of our great narrators last week, Cachet. Yes. And even if she was here, it's just the circumstances of who was involved in the drama this week by having Angela and Ben as the winners, which like of the winners and losers this week of Angela, Ben, Enzo, and David, I mean, Ben is a superstar in that group and, and <laughs> yeah. that's not saying much yeah. um, so we've like really were lacking i mean they were trying to get sarah in where they could but she just wasn't involved really in the action of this week and i think that was to the detriment of the episode no but there is one small shot of sarah that i thought was very significant it's a blink and you miss it but when Angela wins in the challenge, not to jump ahead real quick, but there's a shot of Sarah clapping along with everybody else. Mm -hmm. And if you, it's to the left of the screen. And it's in that moment that you sort of realize, I don't think there is the rivalry between yeah. Sarah and, uh, what's her name? And Angela. Uh, Angela that the show portrays. I actually get the sense that they're like, two people who are like really enjoy competing against one another yeah. because they both are such great competitors and care about the game so much that I think there's, I don't want to say necessarily a friendship, but I don't think that the edit is portraying it quite like it is. I mean, granted, I'm going off of like a clap and everything, but the way Sarah was clapping, I was like, if Sarah despises Angela in the way the edit makes us seem, I don't think she'd be that enthusiastic about Angela not only winning the challenge, but being the only person to yeah. complete the challenge. I don't know. I thought there was a lot in that micro moment. Yeah. What I saw was, oh, sh Sarah, we know Sarah's a competitor. We know she takes this game way more seriously than she probably should be. <laughs> and, um, and that in that moment, she went, holy shit, somebody actually completed this challenge, which was like really difficult to complete. And it was so exciting to watch and good right. for her. Like, and that's that's normal person behavior. That's not the version of Sarah versus Angela that we've been getting in the confessionals. Yeah. Um, speaking of Sarah, we get a little bit of fallout early in the episode from Desi's eliminate Desi's decision to put Cachet up for elimination. Of course, Cachet was a member of the fleeting Fab Five Alliance. And uh, we see, like you said, Sarah, Kayla, and Justine sort of kikiing in the bathroom about I don't know what. Sarah does say uh, that we should forgive Desi because if we can still use her, I mean, there is a women's elimination coming up. So, I mean, use her for what? I don't know. But they, they yeah. want to keep her on side. Um, but she's, she's the classic Lauren Conrad uh, uh, motto of uh, we can forgive her, but we're not going to forget. And so I guess at this point, they're seeing this as there's sort of like three women in one camp, Justine, Kayla, Sarah, and three women in another camp, Desi, Angela, and Alyssa. Right. I am very curious about this filming in the bathroom because that is a bathroom, um, which is typically... Uh, not only a, a no-fly zone for the cameras, but also typically microphones are turned off uh, when reality television people enter the bathroom uh, for obvious reasons. So I'm just curious about, like, did the production suggest they go into the bathroom or did production ask, can we come in there? Like, how did that work? I know that's, like, very 
you know, not a big deal by any means, but like, I just was curious about that. But at the same time, I'm like, I wonder if they're sort of like, hey, we need a change of scenery, like, you know, for production. Mm. And it's like, oh, this this room would be really fun. I just was curious about that. And also, is that bathroom at the warehouse slash home or is that at the arena? And is the arena just like, on a soundstage behind their warehouse slash home? Is it part of their warehouse slash home? They just can't go there when it's not arena moments. So many, <laughs> so many questions. Yeah, we need a map. We need a map we of Buenos Aires. Yeah. Um, I suspect that probably, I think that bathroom's at, at the home, at the warehouse mm-hmm. compound. And I imagine that when they're at the arena, they're probably on like a lockdown where they can't talk. Um, outside of like being in the arena, I would imagine that that's the case. And then they're probably shipped back to the warehouse where they can like sort of uh, hash out the events of what happened. And I would also imagine that probably the three of them wanted to talk and post arena, everyone's probably like gathered in common areas. And so they just like went into the bathroom and it was clear to production that they should come or they asked. That's what I would guess. But it's interesting, the bathroom stuff, because as a big fan of Big Brother UK, there are a lot of bathroom rules around the television show. And in the civilian Big Brother, uh, the bathroom is not off limits. Uh, They record, they record Mm. audio, and they record visual. Uh, They will not show, obviously, people going to the bathroom. But if anything happens in there outside of going to the bathroom, it is fair game to be on the show. However, on the celebrity version... There are no cameras in the bathroom, but they keep the mics on. So sometimes people will try to sneak into the bathroom and have a conversation. So you'll just get a shot of the bathroom door and hear the conversation. When you say civilian Big Brother, you mean civilian Big Brother uh, Canada? UK. UK. Oh, okay. Civilian is such a fun fun (laughs) term. Um, Right. But then also, as we know, like in the case of a survivor, um, going to the bathroom is distinctly a time when you're not mic'd up. However, you also... I well, I think what... you're I think you're mic'd, but you're not followed. You're not followed. That that's your opportunity to get away from production. But I think you always have a mic on. I don't think you do. I don't know. It's a Let's great ask. question for a former player. Yeah. I yeah. I do want to get into it. Like, People you... have asked us this. Like, can, can you get more into detail on like the daily logistics of Survivor? And I we should get into that a little bit. Yeah, no, that's actually online. really, really great. Let's put that, we'll add that to the list. But yeah, I am really curious. But like if you have explosive diarrhea, um, <laughs> I can't imagine that you want to be mic'd, even if they're like, oh, we'll turn it off. It's like I wouldn't, it's like I think that this is like a uh, mic down. Moment. So anyway, yeah, most most curious. If you are a Survivor alumni listening to our recap and want to call in with some intel, uh, we would greatly appreciate it. But also, we will seek this out in our next interview. Yeah, we're talking to you, Sarah. <laughs> so what else is going on here? The boys are prepping for the men's elimination round. And we have the Survivor Boys Alliance with the BB Girls. And basically, we're just getting it very spoon fed to us that Enzo and David are the ones on the outs here. They're going to be the ones in trouble uh, should neither of them win because of the breakdown of the alliances. Um, A lot of people are talking about the assumption that the final will have this partners component. Uh, We talked a little bit about this. and, And in that regard, the women are very interested in getting Enzo out, I guess. Uh, there was some talk about him being an awful swimmer. I don't like necessarily recall Enzo's uh, uh, Enzo's performance in the water challenges, but it's probably because I'm actively not paying attention to Enzo in these episodes. I guess what I don't love about this possibility of the partner aspect of the finale is that it's like we built this show in its first couple episodes around the idea of partner. And then we were like, no, it's a solo game. Like, you you know, you you play your game and then they're reintegrating the partner component that just feels like really strange because yeah, if you're a, if you're great at this game and like power through it and get a flop partner in the finale, it's just like tough, which I get it. Like yeah. that's that's the show, but like it wasn't the show for a period of time. <laughs> yeah. So it just it, it feels a little strange. I hear you. I think the way that they talk about the TJ's final is has set me up to think like it's sort of like in a survivor challenge where it's there's rounds and you have to qualify for the different rounds. And then each round is almost a reset. Like you're all back on equal playing feet, foot. Mm-hmm. Um, 
field. <laughs> and uh, so it feels like, okay, we, we've all qualified. It's time now for the final. It's a blank slate and we're starting over. There are new rules to this game. And in that way, I'm okay with it. But I also hear you that like, okay, I made it this far and now I'm paired with Enzo. Like, or Dom. Fuck this. Yeah. Yeah. I am excited, though, the preview showing night challenges. I think that that's really exciting. I think that's like a really nice mix up and really gives me that vibe of early 2000s reality shows. I mean, we yeah. used to have night challenges on Survivor. It's very The Mole. It's very Amazing Race. I, I really like that. Although I would like to have a word with whoever edits the next time on the challenge because like <laughs> we can do a lot better. It reminds, <laughs> like, reminds me of those. I guess Survivor does this too where it's just like, gives you like 10 seconds of like footage where you're just like, this is telling me nothing. Okay, so there's going to be a challenge in the next episode of the challenge. Also not for nothing, I guess at this point it doesn't matter because we know all of those guys are going to the finale, but like showing us the final challenge is like a spoiler in a sense. I mean, I guess Mm. not so much so, but like, I don't know. I feel like there's a way to get us excited about the finale without showing us the finale. Even if it's just like, show us the 30 seconds of TJ explaining the finale. Like mm. that, that would be a great tease. But like, I don't know, I want more from these these challenges because I, I or excuse me, from these next time ons because I really love them, but I want to know next time on. I mean, yeah. sorry, not for nothing, but to go back to uh, 2000, the year 2000, when... They had the uh, next time on Buffy the Vampire Slayer for season four, episode 15, when Faith returned, there literally was like a next time on and then it showed like lightning flashes and it's the hospital room and Faith who was in a coma, her eyes are starting to like, you see her eyeball, her closed eyeballs like starting to move around and the thunder is picking up and everything. And it's like, you, yeah. And it's like, we were, I remember at the time I was like, holy fuck, like Faith's waking up. I want that same feeling for the challenge. <laughs> Do you remember when she woke up? Oh, do I remember? Yeah. Of course I remember. She woke up and the audience woke up. Yeah, but you know I'm not the biggest Faith fan. Yeah, I don't get that. That's a conversation for another day. Okay, let's talk Bring her about... on the challenge. <laughs> <laughs> Bring her on Drop Your Buffs. Seriously. <laughs> uh, okay, let's talk about the daily challenge because it's an interesting one. I think there's some issues with it. I, it was fun to watch, but it, there's some issues with this challenge, I think. Um, before we get going, we do get our uh, obligatory Kiki shout-out. This one feels the most shoehorned in of any of the shout-outs we've gotten so far. Yeah, I have to say, I feel like I've uh, fallen off on the, like, Danny mentions Kiki thing because... At first, it felt fun because it felt like these Easter eggs that we were discovering. And by this point, I believe, is this episode 9 or 10 we're on right now? We're 10. On t- this is 10, right? By episode 10, it just feels a little obligatory at this point, And it's like a little less fun. And also, to your point about the shoehorning, you don't actually see Danny saying it in this episode. It's VO'd over something mm. else, which just goes to tell you... Again, something I would love to know from production, like, was this a joke within production where after the fact they were like, let's get a Kiki mention in. Surely Danny's not just offering her name up this freewheelingly, but like maybe there's a world in which it's like they had a 10 minute conversation with Danny about Kiki and then they just took bites of that and yeah. stitched them into each of these episodes. But it just kind of felt unnecessary at this point. And also, I feel like they're, like, increasingly trying to, like, give Danny more screen time, I've noticed. Like, he had a lot of talking heads in this episode, but, like, he was a non-entity both in terms of the challenge itself and then strategically. Um, So it's just sort of like, I I don't really know Danny's place on this show still. I did really like seeing that little moment between Danny and Sarah at the very beginning of the episode when they're coming back into the compound and she's like, hey, I've got more money than you now. And they, like, sort of embrace in a way. And I was like, oh, interesting that they're on like such friendly terms right well this just goes to that sort of uh speaks to something that we've heard but have not seen on the show which is that like you know these a lot of the people on the show claim sarah is like very very fun not as um like uh we see this one track minded sarah where it's like competition 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 but what we've gathered from intel by other people on the challenge particularly cachet during her exit press is that like sarah's really fun and sarah's really funny and people really like being around sarah um which i think is something that i would love to know more about <laughs> oh yeah i know you would <laughs> <laughs> 
So would I. All of the little piggies would love it's to It's like, more. yeah, right. Like, like, give her a tight six-minute set on Fallon or something. It's like, I would love to just see. I bet. It's like, I don't know. It's like, is Sarah funny? I'd love to know. Oh, for sure. But, like, what kind of funny? You know what I mean? Like, uh, that's I don't a think... good question. Yeah. I think that she, I think that Sarah is a little bit self-deprecating, and we don't see it that often. Uh, because it does come out in moments. And I think that they're doing a little bit of a disservice making her so, so like tunnel vision focused on the end here because she could be a more well-rounded character. Also like, you know, those it's the little moments. It's like the faces she makes and she's she's made them in so many episodes here. This We've gotten so many great screenshots of Sarah where uh, I think I think she's got like a sarcastic wit. Mm. Okay, enough about Sarah. We've given Sarah more screen time in this recap so far than she got this episode. It's true. So let's talk about the challenge itself. It is called Code Crossing, and two players at a time have to begin harnessed at the end of a speeding truck, and they have to place pegs into slots along the sides of the truck and use those to sort of climb along the side of the truck, get to the top of the truck, and pull a cord releasing some smoke. So the male and the female with the fastest time or that get the furthest distance are going to win the challenge and the player who gets the least far or disqualified the soonest is going to lose. There's also this aspect where they get to place pegs on like a battleship board and so they get like six pegs i think um pre-placed for them which should help them along the track and there's this whole strategy aspect that i don't understand to this challenge where you're trying to figure out the best possible placement for your beginning pegs and it's like angela's strategy seemed so obvious it's like you're moving across a board. You are obviously going to be able to maneuver the ones with your hands. If you have six to set up, of course you set up the ones at your feet and you do them in even intervals. It was like, by the time that happened, Tyson was like, oh my God, I can't believe like Angela was the first person to like come in here with a real strategy. And it's like, Angela to me came in there with the only strategy that one would think of. And like, as listeners probably know, I am not an intelligent person. This is like the fact that I'm figuring it out is like something's adrift. I think what would have helped me here because we did have to, like that didn't occur to me immediately because because the complicating thing is that they have to get up from the back of the truck onto, and then there's like a level. So there's like a little bit of a dip from the back of the truck up over the tires. And so you do have to create this like stair to then get onto the main portion, which is where Angela created her footholds. Um, and so I don't know like how easy or hard it is to uh, just create those stairs with your hands. And then are you wasting some of your pegs? Cause you can only carry so many pegs. Um, and what I would have really liked here because it wasn't until like Angela was like one of the last people, if not the last team to compete. And this is where I could have used an infographic because they've been throwing infographics at us of the most obvious things. And I think that sometimes with these challenges, it would be really nice to get like almost like a, a sort of like infographic, like blueprint, like here's the optimum way to play this challenge. Or here's like, here's a couple of approaches that are the best that you could take based on like challenge history or based on our challenge designers. And I think like some of the challenge are, challenges are obvious and you don't really need this, but these ones where it's like, we're gonna watch everybody completely flop on this. I kind of wanna be in on that joke and be like, oh, well, this is how they should have done it. Um, but we don't really get to see that until Angela. And so the whole time I'm just thinking like, something's wrong with this challenge. They either aren't they aren't given enough time to do this, or the truck's not like like the truck is not moving uh, at a long enough distance, or that it's like kind of unfair that the players get to watch other players go first because then right. they get to gain knowledge. And it's like how do how was that decided? I assume it was a random draw, but like why isn't that a part of the narrative? Because right, that could just you're be... at a significant disadvantage to go first. Right. It should be if they're going to make it strategic, it's whoever won the challenge chooses the order. So at least there's some, you know, rationale behind it. And to your point as well, like I didn't understand the the uh, time running out aspect because it's just like let everyone finish and then you have a ranking 
based mm-hmm. off of, you know, you get a time regardless. I feel like to have Angela be the only person that can complete the challenge is less a testament to Angela being so great and more a testament to a failure on the design of the challenge part. Yeah, I agree. Or it's like the pegs also seemed hard to put in and take out. Um, and so like, I felt like there was something to the material of the peg. Like they looked like wooden pegs painted. And it's like, I don't know if they were like, metal and like designed specifically to slot in and out of these things like maybe that would have been easier to carry them along i don't i don't know something just seemed off with this challenge can we talk for a moment about fashion because can we (laughs) i happen to notice that i mean this must be happening a lot and i'm not the best at picking up on this but like the the confessional outfits are pretty consistent and i would say that each player has like two maybe three confessional outfits it's not like a drag race scenario where they have to be in the same outfit for every confessional but there is some consistency and every single time angela shows up in that pink like silk top i just loathe it there is nothing the challenge about it It is so wrong it looks like she's wearing it to a big brother finale i just like i cannot stand it hmm any no thoughts? strong feelings about it, but I appreciate your strong feelings. Uh, I feel very strongly about that. But you know what else I feel very strongly about is uh, Sarah's signature confessional outfit with the boob cutout top. Do you know the one? It's I don't. It's got a little slit in the boob area. Can we put it on IG? Absolutely, I can. <laughs> What's going to be the emoji? Uh, wait, doing... <laughs> Let's do the pig emoji. Is that no? That well, seems but, really mean. Okay, but I was just because of the little piggies. Okay, I you're know. Right. Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> <laughs> let's do. Uh, let's let's do just because I should we never do the st- mother emoji like the mother with the baby? Let's see. Wait, mother. Well, <laughs> this is so stupid. No, it's not. It's important. The oh, the mother and okay, yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, but there's several. So we're going oh, to do. Yeah, there are. There's three. We're going to do of the three. It's the top one. It's the what's the difference? Oh, one of them she's the one of them she has a bottle. Okay, let's go with. I don't. We don't need the bottle. Let's go with the top. It's the mother holding the baby. It's a green baby. Don't don't know why, but yeah. And there's no bottle. A bottleless mom holding a baby. Okay, I can't even find it. It's there. But you know what? Why don't you put it first and everyone can take Yeah, yeah, there you go. Lead. Take my lead. Oh, I see it. No bottle. No bottle. No bottle. Mother. Love that. So, yeah, I love that outfit. But what, what the reason I noticed it was because in this challenge in particular, I noticed they, they had confessionals of Sarah in the boob cutout top and talking about this challenge. And then later, another confessional of Sarah, completely different outfit, talking about this challenge. And it's like, did did we really have to go back to people to get further narrative on this challenge? I don't know. <laughs> uh, okay, uh, highlights from the challenge. Kayla does the worst, falling off after seconds. I feel like that was just a flub. Ben gets pretty far. He does end up winning for the men. Angela, like we said, is the only competitor to complete the challenge. And David is the loser for the men. Uh, I don't even really remember how he did, and I watched this twice. Right. (laughs) So David is going into the elimination arena against whoever Ben and Angela decide. Okay. Okay. Let's go back to the house where this is interesting because now is where our format starts to break up because typically we would go back to the house. We would see the two winners and the loser sit down and have a strategy session, but immediately the vibes are off because Angela has to go and pull Ben away from his favorite place on earth, apparently at the fire pit with Enzo uh, in order to have this mandatory strat session with David. And so they do this and David tells them that he would like to go up against Dom or Tyson, presumably because, of course, he does not want to go up against his friend, Enzo. And uh, and I think he also is interested in eliminating someone that would be considered a threat in the final, which then I don't know why he's bringing up Dom, but I could see why Tyson. Right, but they've done this several times now where it's like, 
a friendship has emerged that we've never before heard about or seen. And then we're yeah. supposed to like accept the stakes of the situation based off of new information that we've never been told. And also, the show is not very reliable with its relationship building. For instance, Sarah and Ben, where it's like mm -hmm. one week they're best friends that literally are like thick as thieves. And then it's sort of like over time, we're just led to believe that they're not only no longer working together, but they're on alliances that are targeting one another. But then we never really get it from them besides, like Ben mentions the fact that he's not, that he's in this alliance and he says who's in it. And then like we get a few passing comments from them, but we never, but like they're not targeting each other, blah, blah, blah. Anyway, this to say that like this newly emerging Enzo, David, our best friends having to take one another out is not only strange because we've never heard about it, but also we've gotten instances of it that were more like proven when we had some of the ligs going up against one another when when we knew that they were in fact friends. Well, my big beef here is not necessarily with the narrative of David and Enzo because I do feel like um, although it was not developed in any way, I did feel like we got some shots, like we understood, we understood based on sort of everything else going on that they would be by default together in some way. Um, that they're best friends, like we didn't get that. But they're their partnership in the game was did not come as a surprise to me. Mm -hmm. What came as a surprise to me was that Ben and Enzo are suddenly like fire pit boyfriends, like that they are all they want to do is spend time together. And like what at like Ben and Enzo, this that truly came out of nowhere for me to the point that Ben is like really digging his heels in, being like, I don't want to put my friend Enzo in the uh, elimination arena. Also, I love how Ben was like. Enzo's the, Enzo, it's like, Ben loves Enzo, why? Because Enzo makes him laugh. And it's like, and then Ben's like, I wanna keep him in the game because he makes me laugh. And it's like, first of all, Sarah Lucina's in the house, okay? So there's already one comedian. We don't need number two here. We've got one clown. Yeah, but it's also like that justification. It wasn't even like, I, I love him so much because he's such a great guy and everything. It's like, he makes me laugh. And it's like, okay. And it's like, yeah, because we get these comments from Enzo later in the episode about like, there's all these million dollar winners here, and you're going to put me into elimination. And he's specifically, I mean, he's focusing on Tyson, who would be the only million dollar winner that is potentially up for elimination. But also Danny's a former professional football player. Like, I think mm -hmm. Danny's probably well off. And so I, I just got the sense that he's like, a little bit what he was saying without saying it was that I deserve a shot to be here because I need the money. And um, like, that's also an interesting aspect, which like, I, I would see that if Ben was sort of taking that or where that position where he would be like, you know, like, I think Enzo, um, Enzo came here for a reason. I think he wants to win the money. And like, I as as his friend would like to give him that opportunity to at least try in the final. Uh, but that's not the way that we're going. We're going with he makes me laugh, which uh, apparently is critical to the rest of Ben's experience on this show. I need a tight six minutes at Germenzo to determine how funny this man <laughs> is. I'll say that. Uh, I got I got plenty in this episode and I'm done. Also, his energy in the arena, not to jump ahead, but like it was the exact same energy we got from him at his last arena. So it was just, and also he had the same like football pads in yeah. for it. And it's just like, Enzo is so, first of all, Enzo is like barely on the show. And then like when he is, it's like, you're just hitting the same note over and over again. It's like, we yeah. get it, Enzo. You're intense when you need to. I'll be. say, I'll say in Enzo's favor, which like, um, Sean. I'm playing devil's advocate with myself because I really don't like watching Enzo and I find his confessionals. It's it's interesting that he said in this episode something like, I'm done being fake. I'm done I don't have to be like I was on Big Brother, the nice guy, the funny guy. I can be my real self here, just as long as I win this next elimination. So first of all, it's like, okay, what are we what are we waiting for here? Like if bring the drama. There you there are no stakes right now for you. Um but aside from that, uh I don't find him funny. Except during the daily challenge when Kayla fell off and she was just, I think I'm more laughing at Kayla, but when Kayla was standing on the back of the truck and she just waved to the other challengers yeah, that was a nice uh, on the sideline. And I think it was Enzo who said uh, she was waving like she was at the St. Patty's Day parade, which like that was kind of funny. But I think it was more funny paired with the visual of Kayla. You know? Mm -hmm. So I'll give him that. I, I will say one nice thing about Enzo. 
Okay, so so after David leaves this little strategy session, we get this moment that I thought was so weird where uh, Ben and Angela are talking and Angela's basically like, look, I'm not putting Tyson into the arena. He is my number one here. Everybody knows that. And we have this alliance with the Survivor guys and I'm going to stick to it. So it's got to be Enzo. And then Ben just does this like childish, like passive aggressive, silent treatment where he just like won't give her anything and uh when he finally does he's like well i'd be willing to put tyson in and it's like well look that's not it's not gonna fly like or at least make uh make an argument like try to convince angela in a way because i think that's angela's power i think that's angela's strength in the house is that she is able to convince people of things she can lay out a reasonable argument which gets people to think that the move that's in her best interest is also in their best interest. And that is like a very, very good strength to have. Ben doesn't have that. Right. But when I was watching this with uh, my boyfriend, Billy, Billy commented on the fact that he was like, isn't Angela such a great villain? And I was like, no. So like, I, I agree with you that she can do that, but I don't find it to be like great television in the way that like, I think other people, like other survivor greats have that same skill and it's really compelling to watch them be able to convince otherwise intelligent people to change their move over and make them think that they had come up with the move that was ultimately a maneuver. Like that is a great way to play both this game and survivor and so much, you know, reality television competition. But I just think Angela lacks, like it doesn't feel vindicating as a viewer watching Angela succeed in these. And also it's more like, I, I don't want to discredit Angela's intelligence and the fact that she's good at this game, but like her ability to manipulate does, I don't like come away from it being like, wow, Angela is just so great in her ability to do that. For me, it's more just like, okay, like, I don't know. It's like, I don't know. It's like, I, I just don't feel willing to give Angela that credit for being the, like a mastermind. In a way okay. that, like, if Angelina for Big Brother came in and did all of this, I would be like, you know, give her a, a key to a city, you know? Sorry, what? <laughs> Evangelina from Big Brother did it? Sorry, Angelina from Survivor. Oh. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I mean, yeah, give her the key to any city. I don't know. It's like you want, it's like, no, I, I want Angela to go full villain, and I feel like Angela doesn't have it in her, and I think that's the part about Angela that... If anything, my takeaway from the challenge is that Angela would be a really, really great cast member on Survivor. Uh, yeah. Okay, first of all, don't get me wrong. I am not saying any of this as though, like, it's making for good TV. Right. I'm just giving her props in the game. And it's more so, like, um, not to take anything away from her, but, uh, like, I think that why I'm pointing it out is more so to show Ben's lack of intelligence in this aspect than Angela's like incredible masterminding of the situation. But she is able to at least like, given the cards she's dealt of having to play with these people, she has managed to get them to do everything she wants, despite the fact that her true alliance is one person and that's Alyssa. And she has managed to put herself in this position where she's like virtually untouchable, which I think like has to be applauded, right? It's like, unless... Sarah wins next week, Angela is sailing through to the final because nobody else is going to touch her. Absolutely. And even, so, if, even if Sarah, I mean, even if they, she does win, it's like Angela has a good chance of winning at the arena anyway. So yeah, yeah. Angela is definitely in the best spot here. And so to the point about like, would she make, I think she would play the game of Survivor well. The problem, as we've discussed before, is that she has no personality or charisma on TV. Like, that's, Not that's only her that, ultimate problem. Yeah, I mean, there's that. You can be good at a game, but that doesn't make you a good TV personality. Right, and also I think that, you know, outside of Angela and Sarah, because we haven't really gotten enough Justine to really know for certain, it just seems like, whereas, like, the guys, seems like it's kind of anyone's game, because, for instance, it's like, you had Tyson emerging as this huge challenge threat early on, but then really fell off in the latter half of the season, it seems like the, as far as the female winner goes, it seems very either Sarah or Angela at this point. Like mm. it just doesn't seem like 
a lot of the other women in the game are real contenders in the finale. Like, and that's unfortunate. Like I don't, there doesn't seem to be a road in which Kalo wins, which is an interesting thing about the challenge versus a survivor, which is that like, you do not need to win challenges ever to win Survivor. It is not a component mm -hmm. to the show. This show ultimately does not have, like you have to be able to compete. If you are not physically tough, you, will, you cannot win the challenge. Yeah, yeah, that is interesting. Okay, so let's sort of breeze over this next portion because we did talk about it quite a bit, but uh, it's where the next day Ben decides, okay, you know what? I slept on it. I'm willing to put Enzo into the arena. I feel like we did not get enough background on how that decision uh, was arrived at, but okay, fine. So they decide, Angela and Ben decide, well, we're going to tell Enzo. And I don't know if this is because Ben is close friends with Enzo or like they're just getting down in numbers and you ha they have this closest, or is this standard practice and we just don't see it? Because they were very mm. like blase about, oh, well, we should go tell Enzo that he's going into the arena tonight. Um, so I have to wonder, do you have other winning teams told the person that they're going into the arena so that they can kind of prep? It's like kind of a nice thing to give a heads up if it's not somebody that you absolutely despise. And uh, I just thought it was like a really unexpected format change for right. the show. And um, I don't know that we needed it. You almost think that there would be like a house meeting at the very beginning of the show in which like everyone gathered and it's like, hey, do we collectively want to play the game in a way where it's that like we tell the people who are going in, like, let's get a vote from everybody. Are people more in favor of knowing or finding out in the arena? Obviously, the producers probably wish that it's found out at the arena, but at the same time, the producers can edit it however they want, so maybe they don't care at all. Um, but I do have feel like this is something that like they would collectively agree upon and have a mm -hmm. sense of like, okay, people want to know or people don't want to know. Yeah. And I think more people would want to know, right? It's they like, would want to know. Yeah. But sometimes you want to catch people off guard, right? Perhaps, but again, it's like, you just don't get the sense that there's like, as heavy as strategizing on this show as the edit would like you to believe there is. Again, going back to the fact that like, I think Sarah and Alyssa get along. I think that they want to set up big rivalries, but also not for nothing in my watch of the challenge, the challenge proper of which I'm now on, I think I'm, I'm stalled a little bit on season 15, but like there are these huge rivalries that take place over multiple seasons where it's like, it's really fun to watch like who can get a shot in and blah, blah, blah. That does not yet really exist on the challenge. We had a little bit of it with the Sarah, Ben, Tyson, uh, Angela, but th that didn't really follow through. If anything, sorry, just to jump ahead real quick though, I do think if we can get a Sarah, Ben, Angela, Tyson pairing in the finale, I think we could really have something. Yeah, agreed. I think that's the only real way to like create a narrative that that plays off of the building, like the arc of the season. Yeah, that would be an ideal scenario for me. Um, okay, so Enzo doesn't take it well, of course, and we get, as I said, lots of threats from Enzo uh, to suddenly become a character on this show, should he win. And I felt like this was setting him up to not win because it was like, why show us that he's threatening to be interesting um, without... Like, there's no reason for him not to do this now. So he's, like, really talking shit about Tyson. He's like, he's got a million dollars. He's walking around here looking like Jesus. He says, if I come back, I'm going to call him a bird face. Which, like, why why show that? Like, why not? If, if you feel that way and you're that worked up about it right now, say it. You have nothing to lose. You're either going to win or lose tonight, and then you're through to the final. So... What are we waiting for here? Like, let's spice things up. So he's really, really threatening to become interesting, and we'll see how that uh, pans out. Um, we go into the arena, and there are no surprises. Uh, the friendship of Ben and Enzo, which is called Benzo, is dead. Ben is sending Enzo into the arena where they're going to play a game called Balls In, which I think is my least favorite elimination challenge. <laughs> yet uh, so, apparently it's a challenge classic it's so confusing for being so simple yeah i mean i don't know that i found it confusing but i found I it so boring i didn't understand uh, the switching off of the offense defense felt like such a unnecessary complication and 
Well, I mean, it's fair. It is. Well, is it? But it's just like, make there be one ball that's put. So this is how I would design it really quickly. Mm, There's one ball in the middle. You're both outside. And the goal is that when the thing goes off, I think you already know where I'm going here. You run it in first person to get it in. It just like, I understand your point about it being fair. And yes, it was. But I also feel like it made it more complex than it needed to be. Yeah, I hear you. Also, why was it five rounds? Like, oh my god! So yeah, it's boring. like five rounds of that, but then we've gotten other competitions. Like, wasn't Hall Brawl best? Was like two? They were. All, they've always been three. Three. Best okay. two of three. Got it. So yeah, just so strange. And if I was in the editing room on this one, I would be advocating to fudge this edit to make it a best two of three because I can't believe we had to sit through five rounds of this. Like it was so brutal brutally boring and they were like hyping this up as like it's the the one of the hardest challenges ever like a total challenge classic and essentially because we haven't talked about it, i mean i assume you've watched it if you're listening to this but uh of course uh they take turns on offense and defense where uh one of them is trying to get a ball into a cage in the middle of an arena the other is trying to knock the ball out of the arena um but they have to do it in football gear like i don't think it's as physical as they were trying to make it out to be we have watched so many variations of this challenge on Survivor where they are starving. They have no like padding. They have no you know, physical safety gear. And they beat the shit out of each other. They drag each other through mud, through sand, through water. Uh, there are so many times that they do this. And I feel like every time they've done it on Survivor, I have seen far, far more effort put in on that show than I saw in these five rounds where they were like crawling like babies. Like they had no energy whatsoever and I don't understand why. I totally agree. And then also thinking back to like the very first challenge when they were literally like scaling that giant building, I feel like we like, there's been a decline in sort of like the intensity of the challenges mm-hmm. and you almost wanted, I mean, when we had the the challenge several weeks ago, the Justin Bieber has uh, six albums yeah. ch- uh, challenge, <laughs> at least that there was this component of like, not only do you have to lift the person, but the person has to lift this way. You're lifting lifting that person plus the weight and then that person has to then lift the thing. Mm -hmm. I felt like it needed this extra element where it's like you're going to play five rounds but each round we're going to attach weights to your ankles or something. Like it needed something to up the stakes on some level because not only did it seem so easy but they were trying to make it out to be so hard like the gas in the tank and it's like yeah that just made no sense and yeah not only on this show we've seen things more intense obviously Survivor fans we've seen things more intense it was just so boring, and they're both so. Um, there's no one to root for in this because they're both non-entities on the show. So then you got all these like cutaways from the other contestants about you know Alyssa's rooting for Dave, but it's just like no one cares about either of these two players. Totally agree. Also, random thought, but occurring to me right now, TJ is a very absent host of this show. Mm-hmm. You know, like you think about how enmeshed Jeff Probst is in Survivor, not just with tribal councils, but obviously narrating the challenges themselves and instances of him coming to the camps to deliver news or have conversation. You know, even I'm thinking of 42 when he came to the camp um, to have that conversation with the the trans male contestant that was eliminated, whose name I don't remember. Pardon Jackson. me. Jackson. Um, yeah, it's like Jeff is very much part of the show. TJ is just like... He shows up to present the challenge. He shows up, says his lines, and kind of ducks out. It's like we don't get any like house visits from him. He just really does the minimum. So it's funny oh, that a it's house like, visit would be fun. That's a good idea. But it's also like so TJ is final. It's like well, if this is your first season, as it is for it was for you know for us coming into this, it's like what is the TJ final of it all? It's yeah. like what makes it not just the challenge final, but TJ's final. I just feel like TJ's not really like a big part of the show besides like, you know, a passing snide remark or like glee when people fall, fall off of a ledge. Yeah. Agreed. So ultimately the winner of this challenge is Enzo. He's going to come back and we will see if he's going to be an interesting character. All of a sudden, like he promised, uh, David goes home kind of like very anticlimactically. And, uh, we don't get a comment from Enzo like he gave to cachet or some others this season that, you know, 
We'll probably see you back on the challenge in the future. Yeah. Uh, he just sends David away on his own. I have a voice memo from one of our patrons, Jacob, uh, who had some thoughts on this episode. I think we kind of touched on some of this stuff, but uh, let's take a listen to what Jacob has to say. So I don't know if either of you two thought this episode felt rather imbalanced, like it was the end of one episode and the beginning of the other, but just crammed into one. Uh, anyways... Loved how Enzo was all, I'm the old guy in the house, I'm the old guy, but he's younger than Tyson and Dominic and only three years older than Ben. And also, if you could choose between taking five minutes of airtime away from the elimination and add it to the challenge at the front or for the compound life, which would you choose? Okay, bye. Well, it always has to be compound life. I certainly didn't need to see five more minutes of that challenge with the truck. I think I got plenty of that. But there's so much to be said because it's just so often it becomes very clear where the action of the episode is going to go very early on. And it's like, I do appreciate getting a little bit of fallout, but it's like, I would love to see a conversation between Sarah and Desi. Or Justine and Desi, or, uh, you know, Kayla and Desi, just to say like, hey, so like, that was a weird decision you made. Like, are we still cool? Or like, do you have something else going on? Is anybody sniffing out this Survivor Men, Big Brother Women Alliance? We didn't hear from Alyssa barely at all. I think she had a couple confessionals, but we don't know, like, how does she feel about like being partnered with Angela? And does she feel like Angela is going to be a threat to her in the final? Like, is she concerned at, about that at all? Like, I do think there's like some dynamics that uh, would be very beneficial to explore, especially early on before the daily challenge um, that we could have pulled some screen time for uh, away from the elimination. Yeah, I concur. Yeah. So our old guy is staying in the challenge he will be in the final um unless something dreadful happens which we don't wish anything dreadful on anybody um but we got our preview for next week it's going to be a supersized challenge night i don't know if like this is like a three hour thing or a two hour thing um but we shall see because we're going to be wrapped up we got i mean like i was kind of excited by the trailer because it showed like this mountain and snow and all that and i do love like a change of scenery um but We'll, we'll see. We'll see. I'm very curious about the, the final. And I really do hope that it's like intensely grueling because I would love to see them be just be like put through the ringer. Well, not spoilers, um, but we've heard that the challenges, the, this finale, some pretty unprecedented things happen. So I'll be curious to see if they can stick the landing. But I do feel if I were to judge at this point the overall season i really i do feel like we definitely lost steam um as we moved ahead i think there were definitely some high points towards the middle um but i'm 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 hopeful with this finale that they can really bring a lot of these you know loose strings together but i do feel like and this is not necessarily unique to the challenge i mean i've been thinking about this with survivor it's hard sometimes at this juncture like these penultimate moments in the game especially when you have the big players that have been eliminated in the middle it's hard to sort of navigate that lead up which is why i think survivor smartly tends to do those multiple eliminations in the finale mm. rather than have that slog. Like, you know, like they sort of take the finale. Typically, it's it's a final six, right, in the season finale of Survivors, right? Because you get... I think these days it's a five. It's a five. Okay, so but still. So you get, like, you know, multiple, two eliminations and declare yeah. the winner. I feel like the show could could have maybe used that speed up towards I the mean, end. I mean, they are doing that. They're going to be eliminating tons of people in the finale. Right, 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 right. I just think the problem was going from double eliminations to single eliminations and gendered eliminations. Um, if anything, it's like, okay, well, let's make it single, but like, let's have, I don't know, the men, like sort of like a men's competition going on in the elimination arena and a women's competition going on in the arena if they didn't want to do it as like pure partners. Mm -hmm. um, because, you know, even, I want to say that the women's eliminations um, of the single player rounds those have been good episodes. Like last week was a fun episode and I just have no interest in the men's elimination episodes because I don't think these men are that interesting. Yeah. I think that's the problem. 
Okay, I just got confirmation. Two hour finale next week, so one hour for each okay. with the quote, strangest ending ever. Who are you talking to? Sarah? No, I'm talking to a friend of mine <laughs> who has seen the finale. Who shall remain nameless. Who shall remain um, nameless. Yeah. Is it Katie Gallagher? <laughs> it's Katie. Oh, so there's a challenge uh, documentary coming up, which will feature Kim Kardashian, of all people, challenge talking about fan. how big of a challenge fan she is. Um, I do kind feel of curious like... about that, but it's like, I don't feel like I should watch it because what if I want to go watch old seasons of the challenge? I imagine it will spoil a lot. I don't know. I'm going to watch it. I don't mind being spoiled, but I do feel like the challenge has this way of like inflating its own sense of like where it falls in the pantheon of reality. Because mm. yes, I do think that like the challenge should be given credit for being one of the first. Um, it, you know, they began doing these before Survivor, before Big Brother, it's true. But I think that the amount of format changes throughout time sort of are a big demerit. Whereas like in the case of Survivor, like Survivor knew what it was from the outset and sure it's introduced some new elements, but when it comes down to it, it is still the same game that it was from the outset with all the catchphrases and tent poles of the show. Whereas like I'm literally watching every season of the challenge have to formulate new rules. And as I said, I'm currently watching a season in which the players have outsmarted the new format um, and like are literally sort of, it's. I I don't know how the season is going to play out because they realize that they could purposefully lose challenges and get rid of dead weight throughout the season. And so I just think that like, yes, the challenge did it first, but it's taken the challenge a long time to figure itself out that I think that there's, I think that like there's multiple reality competition shows that should be given credit. And also like, I think things like the mole and the apprentice. And I think that there's, I would rather see a documentary about the history of competition reality than I would something solely focused on the challenge, is I guess what I'm trying to say. Hmm. Uh, I would love to see a documentary about Survivor. If we're huh. handing out documentaries. Why hasn't that happened? Because honestly, I feel like there would be interest in that from non-Survivor fans as like sort of positioning it as the godfather of reality competition. I mean, I think they've done specials and things like that ahead of some milestone seasons. But I don't think that anybody's ready at CBS yeah. to do an honest documentary about but then the it's like, of Survivor. Bring in Tyler Perry. Let's have that conversation. It's like Get him on the challenge. And also, not for nothing, talking headwise, it's like there's so many opportunities I know. to bring in famous people, both, yeah. I'm sure, current ones, but also it's like you get your Sarah Michelle Gellers in there, you get your Sia's, but I'm sure there's also like unexpected Survivor fans out there, which I think would be really fun. And then yeah, in addition, it would be, it'd be really a great fun. opportunity to check in with alumni. There's so much to do. I could imagine something like that would happen ahead of like if they ever announce a final season of Survivor. Right. That that would happen ahead of that, or maybe but, just. But I but I want the one that happens after the final season. Right, I want right, an right. Well, yeah, no, we do. We can do a couple here, but I also think we could do a two-hour something in the lead-up to the legend season as well. True. Do you know how devastated okay. we're going to be if the legend season doesn't happen, just because of the lore <laughs> we've created around it? Well, whatever their final season is, I think it's going to have to be, whether they call it legends or not, it's going to have to be an all-star from season one to season, whatever they're at. Right. Has to be. Has to be. Also, one more thing. The Challenge Australia cast has been announced. I don't think we're covering that. Um, <laughs> but but the winners of that will go on to compete against, of course, the winners of the Challenge USA or however that's going to work. Uh, and uh, I don't think a cast has been announced yet for the UK or for the Argentina challenge um but very excited to see the australian challenge cast announced but disappointed because there are only two australian survivor contestants on there uh, one is an old crush of mine from season four um, and one is somebody else i don't know from two seasons that i have not yet watched uh, and the rest are just like well, they've got master chefs on there they've got <laughs> They've really pulled from everywhere. So interesting cast, but disappointed in the lack of survivor representation. So we'll see. I will keep an eye on how that's going. I'm not committing to watching it, but I do think um, that we'll probably cover the um, the global competition. Yeah, I could see us covering yeah. the global without question, depending yeah. on when it airs. Um, and then yeah. also, we're gearing up to begin our season 43 coverage in just is it two weeks? Yeah, yeah. If you haven't already. Yeah. Wait, can people listen to our 
So, uh, <laughs> so we did a cast assessment live on Patreon. Was that last week? Mm-hmm. This week? It was this week. It was it was it was, it was Monday. Oh, Monday. Um, oh, we did that on Monday on Patreon. It was so fun. We had some patrons join us. We did uh, a little bit of back and forth Q and A. I hope that in the future we'll uh, have more time for that portion because uh, it's so great to talk to our listeners. Uh, but we did go through the entire cast. Uh, if you want to become a patron, you can watch that live recording from Zoom, um, and uh, we will also be sharing an abridged version of the audio of that episode uh, later next week ahead of the launch of 43 so that uh, the rest of our listeners can hear our thoughts on the cast of Survivor 43 before it starts airing. Um, But it is abridged. Uh, We've removed some of the comments from our patrons. We did have a Survivor alum join us. Uh, Ricard Foyer was in there and weighed in as well. And if you want to hear all of his comments, you would have to become a patron and watch the recording. So, uh, but either way, look forward to that coming into uh, the regular podcast feed next week. And uh, of course, our coverage of the Challenge USA finale next week as well. And then uh, after that, we're going to be going full Survivor 43 mode. So check out the link to our Patreon in the show notes below or go to patreon.com forward slash drop your buffs. Make sure you're following us on Instagram at drop your buffs pod where you are going to comment the mother with the baby without the bottle Mm. on the picture of Sarah Lucina's boob slit shirt from the challenge. And I'll leave us with a little tease, which is a tease for the audience and Sean as well. Um, I am in conversation with a Survivor alumni who never speaks about Survivor ever, and I am trying to convince him to come on Drop Your Buffs, and we're in conversation. Cool. He's a little he's a little difficult right now, but we're talking today, but I've at least, <laughs> I've got him, I've got his attention, and so we will oh, see. Oh, I think I know who it is. Well, I don't know. Anyways, I'm not gonna tell I'll keep you my until, guesses for offline. Yeah, I'm no, not gonna I tell understand. you who until it's secured. But I if if you. I do get it, it's not. I mean, like this isn't Elizabeth Hasselbeck we're talking about. But like, it's. I think our audience will be excited to hear from this person. Yeah, yeah. We would I also, don't think it's who Elizabeth you Hasselbeck. think it is. Um. Well, let's talk. It Maybe off, it is. Okay. Anyway, I this think is exciting. Is. Okay, I'm very excited. I I love a mystery. I know you do. Okay. That's why I was like, I'll bring it up right now. <laughs> I thought about texting you last night, and I was like, hmm. Okay. Uh. Hey. We. Hey. You want to talk Survivor alumni? Uh, we also have a very iconic Survivor alumni, former guest of this show, uh, who has agreed to come back and share their thoughts on Survivor 43 very soon. Uh, very, very excited for that. So we're going to mix things up a little bit, maybe bring in some past players to talk about their thoughts on 43, maybe people we've talked to before. There's plenty of people I want to re-talk to, and uh, so look forward to that as well. We're going to really be hammering in the Survivor coverage uh, because we've missed talking about Survivor. Okay. With that, make sure you subscribe so you don't miss any of that nonsense and rate and review if you enjoyed this. Thank you so much for listening. Bye. Bye.